My name is Paul Riley, also known as Political Paul, and this is The Riley Rant, a weekly podcast where we discuss all things political, professional, and personal. Let's rant. Thank you so much for tuning in to the second official episode of The Riley Rant. If you haven't done so already, please check out the first episode entitled New Year's Resolution, where we discussed a personal rant and where we committed to just doing us in 2017 and beyond. In addition, if you visit therileyrant.com, you'll also find a blog post entitled Just Do You under the personal realm. So please check that out if you haven't done so. Please comment like and share and spread the word about all that we're doing here at the Riley Rant. With respect to this week, so much has happened. I mean, so much has happened this week. Uh, My first update for you all is that I got an email in the middle of the week, some breaking news for the Riley Rant. It was from Apple. I'm excited to announce that the Riley Rant is now on iTunes and iPhone. Click on that podcast app. Search for The Riley Rant and subscribe to be the first to know about any new updates or episodes that are launched with respect to The Riley Rant. In addition, you can visit SoundCloud.com slash The Riley Rant, um, our website, TheRileyRant.com, or Facebook for more updates on this podcast. My second update for you is um, an apology. What was that Ruben Studdard song? He basically said, girl, I'm sorry for... 2004. Though I'm not sorry for 2004, I'm so sorry for what I did to you all last week. For those of you who know me, you know that a brother can talk. But there's no reason why someone should be spending 30 minutes every Sunday on a darn rant. So I'm going to commit to you 15-minute episodes, 20 minutes max, because I know you all have places to be and people to see, and I don't want to take up too much of your time dragging out these rants. Additionally, we're going to try to make the podcast a little more interactive, so definitely want to get some guests into future episodes, um, hopefully starting in February. And I want to start adding just some additional segments to the weekly podcast. So many people mentioned that they liked the different quotes. So my thinking is that we start every episode with a quote, um, and then that will nicely tee up either the political, the professional, or the personal rant. And then we can get into it, wrap it up, Share some comments maybe from people who listened to previous episodes. And that's going to be it. Again, 15, 20 minutes max. And my last update for you is, you know, that since today's topic is focused on the professional, it's a professional rant focused on the best career advice I've ever received, a professional rant focused on work, uh, my legal team actually got in touch with Marcus Carey. You may remember him from last episode. And he wants to come back and redeem himself. He was pissed off that the audio kept going in and out. He didn't really get to shine. He didn't get his 15 minutes. So before diving into the quote and the rant for this week, I want to, without further ado, reintroduce Marcus Carey, who's going to sing to us about work. Let's give it up. How y'all feeling? Work, 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 yeah. 
we're talking about work, 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 work. I said we're talking about that work, 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 work. Let's talk about that work. Talk about it. talk about it thank you so much marcus carey for that performance let's give him a round of applause i know how much courage it took him to come back on the set of the riley rant after what happened on last week's episode but i'm confident that that remix of rihanna's song work a hit of 2016 i will be back at the top of the charts to tee up our professional rant for today i came across a great post from Mike Rowe. Mike Rowe is the host of a show on Discovery Channel called Dirty Jobs. He basically travels around to different um, parts of the country and he interacts with people who are working in quote-unquote dirty jobs. So the quote actually talks about an experience that he had uh, with a man working as a septic tank cleaner. So in this quote, he basically gives people the best career advice he's ever received. And he notes, When it comes to earning a living and being a productive member of society, I don't think people should limit their options to those vocations they feel passionate towards. I met a lot of people in dirty jobs who really loved their work, but very few of them dreamed of having the career they ultimately chose. I remember a very successful septic tank cleaner who told me his secret of success. I looked around to see where everyone else was headed, and then I went the opposite way, he said. Then I got good at my work, Then I found a way to love it. And so that's going to be the quote for today's episode um, as we talk about the best career advice um, I've ever received. And when I think about that advice, it's actually closely aligned to this quote. It's closely aligned to the post written by Mike Rowe. And it actually comes about um, through a book that I read by Kyle Newport entitled So Good They Can't Ignore You. And in his book, he basically touches on um, the similar strains that Mike Rowe is getting at with respect to careers. And the major overarching theme with this advice is to stop telling people to follow your passion. In other words, don't follow your passion. In fact, Kyle Newport argues that this passion advice is harmful and dangerous because all it does is simply stress out and overwhelm the other person especially if they happen to be in a position where their current job uh, is outside of their quote-unquote passion. This will then ultimately lead to chronic job hopping, which leads to lack of self-esteem, lack of confidence, and overall dissatisfaction with the way in which things have turned out. And so instead of placing these unrealistic expectations on people to find their passion and to run after it with full force, Kyle Newport actually introduces a framework that he thinks young people and ultimately people of all ages uh, should adopt in order to create meaningful careers that allow them to um, create a mission and meaning um, out of their life. And so his career advice is centered on not following your passion and instead making the most of your current situation. So if you're fortunate enough to have a job, making the most of that job in particular, being so good at what you're doing so good that you can't be ignored. And he argues that if you go into work and get rid of these self-centered concerns about your career and your passion, and you actually go looking to learn and build what he terms are rare and valuable skills, 
He argues that these rare and valuable skills can be strengthened and developed over time. And over time, this will allow you to build career capital. And with that experience and credibility in a particular field, this career capital will then allow you to get what he argues is the most important trait for any career, and that is control. Control over when you can come and go, control over what type of work you're doing, control over strategy or direction. And so I would encourage you to right now think about your dream job that you have. Imagine it in your mind, this dream job. And I can guarantee you that a big element of this job um, involves having a certain amount of control over your job. And that's what he's getting at. He's getting at this idea that many people's dream job, their dream careers are actually focused on being able to have control uh, because it is through this control that you can start you know, building um, meaningful interest and start pursuing things that you like and that you enjoy. But when thinking about control, it's important to touch on what he calls the control traps. And there are two control traps that you can find yourself in. The first control trap um, arises when there is a desire for control within the individual, but they don't have the sufficient capital to back it up. So an example of this in the book um, actually uh, was around a woman named Lisa. Lisa was a marketing and advertising executive who discovered or determined that her passion was in yoga. So she took a month-long certification in a yoga course, got certified, quit her job, and then began to create her own yoga business. Not long after leaving her job and starting the yoga business, uh, she realized that she was in over her head, the business fell apart, and she found herself with no job and no prospects for the future. So that's the first type of career trap, where you have this desire for control, but you don't have the capital, which is sort of credibility and experience, to back up the new venture, job, or opportunity you're pursuing. But the other control trap that you can fall into, the second control trap, actually is a situation where you desire more control, and you actually have a sufficient amount of capital, credibility, and experience to back it up. And the reason why this can become a control trap is because if you are in the position where you're in that second control trap, that basically means that you built up a, a set of rare and valuable skills, you built up credibility and respect, that you're relatively successful. And with this success, potentially comes resistance from others on your team or at your job. And this resistance can materialize from people not understanding why you would leave the successful position you're in now to pursue another position and to gain more and more control. And to that, I would take you back to the first episode where we talked about how you had to be careful what you tell others, and you have to be careful what you allow other people to tell you because everyone can't envision you know, the dreams and the goals that you have for yourself. And so people who fall into that second control trap where they have the desire for more control and they have the experience, they sometimes may be hesitant to make that jump primarily because there's some resistance and people are sort of trying to tell them that they shouldn't leave this safe, lucrative opportunity that they have now. So that's something to be on the lookout for if you're in a position where you have a desire for more control, and the career capital to back it up. But the other form of resistance in that second control trap can actually come from your employer. I mean, from their perspective, they don't really have a vested interest in giving you more control and autonomy. Um, That's really not in their best interest. And so that's often why you will get resistance when you do begin to build up that career capital and that credibility, 
And when you begin to demand that all-important control over your career, just be mindful that you're going to expect some resistance along the way. Now, at this point, you may be asking yourself, well, this is great, but how do I know when I have a sufficient amount of capital um, to know when it may be right to try that new venture or that new opportunity? And Kyle Newport basically responds to this question by saying that you will know when you have the sufficient capital for an idea or a job or an endeavor when people are willing to pay for your skill set, whether they be an employer through a salary or someone who wants to buy a product that you're sort of building or a service that you're offering, or if someone's willing to invest in it. And it's not to say that the focus is on money is due to the fact that people are money hungry and it's all about money. It's more so because money, in Kyle Newport's mind, is a neutral indicator of value, which is a great way to determine whether your skills are rare and valuable for whatever endeavor or opportunity you're trying to pursue. So when you have this desire for control in your career, the way you make sure that you have the sufficient capital is to ask yourself, would someone pay me to do this? Would someone pay me for those skills? And if you can say yes, continue on with that. If you can't, he argues you should move on. You should stop focusing on um, that skill set or that opportunity. And this may seem daunting, you know, when you first hear it, talking about when to ha- take the dive, when to try to get more control, and when to try to, in a sense, leverage the capital that you've invested in. And sometimes he argues you have to take those small bets. So the problem with Lisa's example is that she had been building up career capital, but she threw all of her career capital away on one big bet that failed horribly, that yoga business that she tried to start, when she could have, as Kyle Newport argues, taken small bets and tested out their efficacy. So if you want to see if someone's willing to buy your product or your service, what he's basically telling you to do is to take small bets. So an example of a small bet would be me and the Riley Rant, this podcast. It wouldn't make sense for me to quit my job and to start doing podcasting full time because I have not demonstrated that I have the career capital in podcasting, in media, for people to actually pay for this service. Now, this podcast is a small bet that I'm taking to see if this is a rare and valuable skill that I can monetize in the future. And that's how Kyle Newport wants us to think about our careers. It's about building this skill set, taking these small bets, figuring out what works and what doesn't work so that you can then have the ability to get more control over your career and start living out the life that you deserve. And the reason why, you know, this framework is so refreshing is that it's unpopular, that it goes against conventional wisdom, it goes against the grain, and it simply requires you to commit to working um, in a role or spending um, a significant number of years focusing on a narrow collection of subjects to see if you're able to get to the cutting edge of that field. Because he argues that when you get to the cutting edge of the, your field, you're now in what you know some, ty- some scientists and other people call the adjacent possible. And the adjacent possible is actually a term used in the scientific community, but it discusses where new discoveries in science come from. It comes from people getting to the cutting edge of their field, being able to see things from a slightly different angle, and running with that decision to bring about new um, sort of theories, new creations, and new inventions. It's all about, again, building up that capital to get to the cutting edge of your field, when you're at the cutting edge, you can begin to see the landscape and see how one or two things can be improved in the field. You run with that, and that's how you begin to build a mission, 
um, which ultimately will fuel a passion that you have later in life. And so that's basically the crux of his uh, message. It's basically centered on not following your passion because that's harmful, building up skills that are valuable and rare so that you can amass career capital, credibility, and experience. With this credibility, capital, and experience, you can then cash it in for more control, whether in your current role or in another role. And this control will afford you happiness, as psychologists and other studies have shown, um, happiness, um, freedom, and also more time to leverage those side interests. And so towards the end of the book, Kyle Newport actually ends with the figure that he started with at the beginning of the book. And he starts the book with a man named Thomas. Thomas uh, was working um, in a role and he determined that he really loved and was passionate about Zen Buddhism. And so he decided that he was going to quit his job and that he was going to go to a monastery um, and to serve as a lay monk. Um, and he knew that this would make him fulfilled and he would find meaning in his life. He gets there and realizes that following his passion didn't make him any happier. He's still wondering if there's something else out there for him that's closely aligned to his passion. And so he actually breaks down at the monastery um, because he's overwhelmed with this frustration that he's done all this. He thought he found his calling and it actually didn't turn out to be all that it was cranked up to be. So he ultimately quits his job. Uh, I'm sorry, he leaves the monastery, returns to the job that he quits. And at the end of the book, Kyle Newport's grabbing lunch with him and sort of discussing his return back to the workforce and sort of what he's learned from the experience going to the monastery and coming back. And his response actually confirms what Kyle Newport has been talking about throughout the entirety of the book. And he actually effectively sort of um, lives out Kyle Newport's framework and he's successful. And so Kyle Newport at the end of the book touches on this uh, where he notes we need to free ourselves from the escape from the escapist thoughts of fantasy jobs that had once dominated Thomas's mind. He was able instead to focus on the task he was given and on accomplishing them well at his new job. He was free from the constant draining comparisons he used to make between his current work and some magical future occupation waiting to be discovered. He created the life he's living not by matching his work to his passion, but instead by doing his work well and then strategically cashing in the capital it generated. He didn't need a perfect job to find happiness. He needed a better approach to the work already available to him, to the work already in front of him. And so with that, the main takeaway from this podcast and from this professional rant on the best career advice that I've ever received is basically summarized in this way. He notes, don't obsess over discovering your true calling. Instead, master rare and valuable skills once you build up the career capital that these skills generate, invest it wisely. Use it to acquire more control over what you do and how you do it, and to identify and act on a life-changing mission. This philosophy is less, is less sexy than the fantasy of dropping everything, but it works. And so as I wrap up this second official episode of The Riley Rant, I would encourage you to think through this framework think through this uh, professional advice and let me know your thoughts. Do you agree with it? Are you in a position now where you're trying to follow your passion and you're feeling unsatisfied? Are you going to try to apply some of these practices to your everyday life? Please share this on the Riley rant and let me know your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. I know this has been something that I've been sitting with for quite some time um, as I have a, a strong interest 
in politics and really determining how to make my current work aligned to that quote-unquote passion. And so I've been really sitting with this material. It's really transformed the way that I look at my career. It's transformed the way that I view work. And it's also tough because in this generation, in this time period, we're so used to immediate gratification. And this advice actually forces us to look past the immediate gratification and more towards the long-term goal. So with this framework, you're going to have to invest you know, years into a narrow collection of subjects to get to the cutting edge, to gain that control. And the question then becomes, are we willing to do that? Are we willing to be patient, to build up skills, and then to cash in on those skills? All I can say is that this book is very transformative, and I hope that you all will consider checking it out, maybe reading it for yourself because this episode didn't do it justice, but something nonetheless to think about. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of The Riley Rant. Hope you enjoyed all that we talked about with respect to the professional rant. Next week, we'll be doing a political rant in time for the inauguration, doing an autopsy report on the 2016 election. As always, remember, if it's Sunday, it's time to rant. If it's Sunday, it's The Riley Rant.